Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2405 with a release date of Friday, December 1st, 2023 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. A massive fire ravages Nikola Tesla's last remaining laboratory. Hams in India help track down a child's life-saving but unavailable medicine. And if you believe in Santa, you may just hear him on the air. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2405 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. And now reporting from Valparaiso, Indiana, here's Paul Brown, WD9GCO. We begin this week's report with news of a fire that nearly destroyed a historic landmark with a long-standing connection to radio and innovation. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, has the details. In New York, a raging fire swept through the last remaining laboratory of Nikola Tesla, where a massive redevelopment began three years ago to create a science center and a hub of amateur radio activity and education. Mark Alessi, the nonprofit center's executive director, said at a press conference on November 28th that the authorities have ruled out arson and are still investigating the cause. The historically significant laboratory building itself, set on a 15-acre site on Long Island, sustained damages of at least $3 million from the November 21st fire. A worldwide fundraising effort on Indiegogo has begun for the lab, which the Serbian-born scientists used in the early 1900s. This fundraising is separate from the already $20 million raised for the renovation, an effort that is still $6 million short of its goal. Amateur Radio Club N2TSC will be housed in the Visitor Center, a different building from the devastated lab. Ed Wilson, N2XDD, the club's president, told Newsline that the Visitor Center was not damaged by the blaze, which drew the response of more than 100 volunteer firefighters from the surrounding community. Plans continue to go forward for the site's overall redevelopment as an educational and community resource but it's not clear how far back the original opening date of late 2025 will be delayed. I'm Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Hamzen India raced the clock to help locate and deliver medicine in short supply to a critically ill little girl. John Williams, VK4JJW, tells how they did it. Working under a critically short deadline and across the borders of several nations, hams in India were able to locate a medicine that's vital to a seven-year-old girl in neighboring Bangladesh who was hospitalized for a neurological disorder. The medicine was in her doctor's hands within 48 hours of being found. The girl's parents had been told by doctors at Dakar Medical College and Hospital that they were in short supply of the antiviral drug that was successfully treating their daughter and that no stock of the drug could be found elsewhere in the country at present. The girl's father told the Times of India that he promptly launched a search by contacting Rahat Khan, S21DI, an amateur radio operator in Bangladesh. Rahat put out a call to his network of ham contacts in neighbouring countries, all to no avail. In India, hams in the West Bengal Radio Club found an alternative of the brand in the state of Kerala, but it was not clear whether the girl would respond to that drug. The necessary brand was at last located in New Delhi by one of the newest members of the club, Nayanrath Jana, a student of the Indian Academy of Communication and Disaster Management. 
According to the club secretary, Ambarish Nag Biswas, VU2JFA, the Hams then tracked down someone at the New Delhi airport who was preparing to return home to Bangladesh and who agreed to transport the medicine. The girl's father met the passenger at the airport in Dhaka. The girl received the treatment on Friday, November 24th. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. There is still time to comment on an FCC proposal that would remove the baud rate limitation for the 2200-meter band and the 630-meter band. The agency has said it would like input on what the appropriate bandwidth limitation might be set instead. In making this proposal, the FCC acknowledges previous comments that have been received underscoring public safety benefits for radio communications during emergencies, such as natural disasters. The FCC is also proposing to maintain existing bandwidth limitations on the VHF and UHF bands. This is the latest action by the Commission, which recently established a bandwidth limitation of 2.8 kHz for digital transmissions on certain amateur radio HF bands, eliminating the long-standing baud rate limitation on those bands. In other news in Washington, D.C., the FCC has received a document from SpaceX in which the company gives assurances that its cellular Starlink system does not pose a hazard to other radio signals. More on that from Cell MB, KB3TZD. Responding to an FCC request for details about radio interference hazards posed by its Starlink system, the company has submitted a 16-page document to the agency explaining why ground-based and satellite services will not face interference from its operation. The FCC had requested the detailed analysis. SpaceX said that its direct-to-cell system uses software that prevents radio interference and, in any case, Transmissions can also still be individually turned off if it occurs. The Starlink system of satellites has been compared to cellular towers in orbit. T-Mobile is its first partner in the venture and will be using frequencies between 1.91 GHz and 1.995 GHz for customers' transmissions. Questions about interference have been raised before. An Australia-based astronomy team recently published a study that they say links unintended emissions from the SpaceX array of satellites to interference with the low-frequency VHF radio antennas used to study the universe. I'm Selembi, KB3-TZD. Are you looking out for the International Space Station? NASA has just made it even easier. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, tells us how. If you have the International Space Station in your sights, figuratively of course, because you're hoping for a contact, there's a new option to help you spot the ISS more easily. NASA has released a new version of their Spot the Station mobile application that is downloadable from either Google Play or the Apple Store. If the station is passing overhead, you'll get notified in time to try for the APRS or voice repeater in time. Although NASA is still sending alerts by email and text messages, the new app allows users to see predictions of visible passes. You can also set alarms that allow you to be on time to catch the ISS when it arrives in sight. Visit spotthestation.nasa.gov for more details. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. It may be December, but it's not too early to start thinking about July because that means youth on the air camp. And this year, the young amateurs are headed to Nova Scotia, Canada. Jack Parker, W8ISH, shares the details. 
Even though the temperatures are dropping and snow has already fallen in some parts of the world, young radio amateurs in North, Central, and South America are getting ready for warmer days ahead at Youth on the Air Camp. It's taking place July 7th through the 12th at the Mount St. Vincent University campus in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The camp is being hosted by Radio Amateurs of Canada. The application period is now open. Licensed amateurs between the ages of 15 and 25 are being encouraged to complete the application form online by the 15th of January. It can be found on youthontheair.org. Campers will be notified of their selection by the 1st of February. There are allocated slots for applicants in each of the Americas to encourage as wide an attendance as possible. Any remaining free places after the January deadline can still be applied for up until the 31st of May. As many as 50 campers will be accepted. Because COVID is still a concern, organizers will be monitoring changes in guidelines for masking and vaccinations. For details about cost, travel arrangements, and other details, visit the Youth on the Air Camp website or contact Camp Director Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, at director at youthontheair.org. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. There's still plenty for youngsters to do on the air in the meantime. Starting December 1st, hams around the world who are age 25 and younger will be making Yoda Month by using call signs ending in Y-O-T-A, trying to beat last year's final tally of 107,845 QSOs. As the month wraps up, don't miss the Yoda contest on December 30th. For complete details, visit the website events.ham-yoda.com. Be listening next week when Amateur Radio Newsline announces this year's recipient of the International Newsmaker of the Year Award. We launched this award in 2019 with our editorial staff recognizing the individuals, groups, or formal clubs who have spent the previous year bringing amateur radio into the spotlight, showing its positive values and contributions to the community. We are broadening the award's scope this year by acknowledging that the dissemination of information to the public about amateur radio's impact no longer relies solely on mainstream media. We are very proud of this year's winner, who you will get to meet very soon. It's time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the WB0YLE repeater on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., through All-Star in Morrisville, Pennsylvania, and Fall River, Massachusetts. With the help of a waiver from the FCC, hams in the U.S. will be able to contact military stations in an exercise marking Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, has that story. In the United States, hams have been granted an opportunity to mark National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day by communicating directly with stations of the U.S. military through cross-band operations. The FCC has issued a waiver to permit such radio communications from December 6th through the 9th on the occasion of the 82nd anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor during World War II. Legal two-way communications with federal stations is highly unusual for amateur radio. FCC regulations typically permit this on only one other occasion, the annual Armed Forces Day communications test. Participating hams will be monitoring three federal frequencies, but are to respond on parts of the bands assigned to amateurs. 
In approving the request from the ARRL, the FCC said the waiver serves an important purpose on a day of great historical significance. The FCC said, quote, This day has a historic significance and emphasizes the importance of reliable communications and the need to be vigilant international defense, end quote. To see a link in the FCC's limited waiver, follow the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is Kent Peterson, KC0DGY. Christmas time is a time of tradition, and for radio enthusiasts in Sweden, there are a few traditions more loved and anticipated than hearing a Christmas message sent via a transmitter that is fast approaching its 100th year. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, explains. The pride of the pioneering Swedish engineer Ernst Alexanderson, his 200-kilowatt high-frequency alternator, built in 1924, has a Christmas message to deliver to the world this year as in previous years. On Christmas Eve morning, Sunday the 24th of December, the radio station in Grimmerton, with the call sign SAQ, will deliver the words in the holiday spirit in CW at 0800 UTC at 17.2 kilohertz. Those of us who cannot be present can still watch the historic transmitter and hear its message being sent during a live stream on the SAQ Grimmerton YouTube channel. The transmitter's startup will also be live streamed starting half an hour before the message. There are also many ways to listen, but because there are few radios capable of directly receiving the transmitter's frequency, there are internet receivers and other options available. See the link in the text version of this week's newscast to discover other ways to tune in. This is Jeremy Bucci for NJH. Australia's robust universe of community radio stations teaches through a volunteer organization known as Technorama which provides solid footing and broadcast technology to those working behind the scenes. Technorama is now hoping to expand its historical partnership with Amateur Radio, and it's considered a natural, mutually beneficial relationship, as we hear from Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Technorama has big plans that don't end when its annual three-day gathering in Sydney concludes on December 3. The Broadcast Skill Building non-profit organisation is cultivating a partnership between Australia's more than 460 community broadcasting stations and the country's amateur radio operators. Broadcast engineer John Maisels, VK2JPM, a Technorama founder and immediate past president, says the unifying elements between the two worlds, such as transmitters, antennas, generators, RF, means that hams and these broadcasters have much to offer one another. There is a history of cross-pollinisation here that dates back to communities' radio birth in the 1970s, when hams assisted the burgeoning broadcasters, and John believes that relationship will go much further. Technorama is already planning to hold its first formal radio tech training sessions in more than three decades, inviting radio amateurs to join the broadcasters to sign up and learn and to be amongst those teaching. He says that community radio stations are, and I quote, just like amateur radio, just on steroids, end quote. Likewise, he said ham radio classes can benefit community broadcasters. He told Newsline in a phone call that it's been a squandered opportunity. He said that building stronger bridges in both directions can fill the needs of both communities. This is Graham Kemp, Victor Kilo 4, Baker Baker. In the world of DX, fans of the world's longest-running science fiction TV show, Doctor Who, will be listening for special call signs starting with GB0WHO, 
through GB9 WHO until the 20th of December. The Cult Series marked its 60th anniversary on the 23rd of November. The show's original 694 episodes ran steadily until 1989, but it was revived, much to fans' delight, in 2005. See QRZ.com for QSL details. We remind listeners that the Advent Award for Bunkers on the Air in the UK is now underway until the 25th of December. Activators as well as hunters, including shortwave listeners, are eligible. Participants need to use the special Advent Calendar Award claim tracker to be eligible. See the website bunkersontheair.org under the Downloads tab for more details. That's Bunkers on the Air, one word. For our final story, we will look at Santa Claus. Okay, if you're a grown-up, he's not really big news, or news at all, but if you're a youngster or even a grown-up who loves a little holiday magic, you'll be listening for Santa on the Air. Here's Jim Dameron, N8TMW, to help us tune him in. Like radio waves themselves, Santa Claus is everywhere. While you can't see him, you can definitely hear him or one of his helpers as amateurs around the world return this year with a different kind of on-the-air scheme. Santa on the Air. Hams in the Longmont Amateur Radio Club and the Northern Colorado Amateur Radio Club are giving local kids a chance to visit with Santa through the 10th of December every night between 0000 and 0200 UTC on a number of local repeaters. Lucky kids will be able to log a contact with Mr. and Mrs. Santa. Both Mr. and Mrs. Claus are using the call sign N0P. In Ireland, the Shannon Basin Radio Club is putting Santa on the air on Saturday, December 9th on the EI2SBC repeater. At this time of the year, the call sign stands for Echo Icicle 2, Santa Before Christmas. Santa is also on the HF bands. Check-ins begin on the Santa Net every evening at 7 p.m. Central Time on 3916 kilohertz, ending on Christmas Eve. The net is operated by the 3916 nets. Their website, cqsanta.com, has additional information about how to check in before the net gets started. A little closer to the North Pole, OH9SCL has turned its toy workshop into a shack in northern Finland to prepare for QSOs from around the world. All the HF bands are expected to light up like, well, a Christmas tree. As they've done since 1986, local hams will be on the air calling QRZ from Lapland. As always, check the QRZ.com page for any of these call signs to get QSL information and other details. The magic of radio is about to add to the magic of the season. And let's face it, it's all for a good clause. This is Jim Dameron, N8TMW. If you have a piece of amateur radio news that you think Newsline would be interested in, send it on. And we're not talking about advertising your club's upcoming ham fest or field day participation, but something that's out of the ordinary. If so, send us a brief overview via the contact page at arnewsline.org. If it's newsworthy and we would like to cover it, we'll get back to you for more details. Meanwhile, if you're feeling even a little bit poetic, visit our website to learn more about the Amateur Radio Newsline Haiku Challenge. With thanks to Amateur Radio Daily, the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, Ed Wilson, W2XDD, the FCC, 
425 DX News, John Meisels, VK2JPM, QRZ.com, PC Magazine, Radio World, shortwaveradio.de, The Statesman, The Times of India, Wireless Institute of Australia, YouTube, Youth on the Air, and you, our listeners. That's all for the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization that does incur expenses for continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York and our news team worldwide, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO in Valparaiso, Indiana, saying 73. As always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023. All rights reserved.